Amen. Oh. Well, just so you know, these guys are missing on the front row. Moscosos are in India this morning. So uh, uh, Christian's brother is getting married um, this week. And uh, so the wedding's in India. Christian's participating in part of that. Pray for them. Um, and uh, others uh, who are unable to be here this morning are both traveling and sick. And so I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad you're healthy enough, you're well enough, as all of us cough, <laughs> to, to be in the room this morning. And so um, for those of you, again, you're on the live stream, thanks for streaming in this morning. Because um, this morning's sermons really just uh, heavy on my heart. Um, if you are a part of my TCC, then you got that text yesterday. Thank you for praying uh, for me and for this morning. Uh, title this morning is Getting in the Game 2023. Um, and I'm actually I'm turning this off. I usually kind of keep a clock up here. I'm just going to go ahead and say to you from the outset, we're going to go a little long. Um, and not a lot long, but we're going to go a little long, and I don't even want to just see that or look at it, um, so I thank you in advance, um, as, yeah, nobody got up and walked out just now, so I appreciate that, <laughs> very much appreciate that. I want us to think about 2023 as a church, as a community of believers, and I want to take just this one week, um, the plan was this morning we're going to be back in 2 Samuel, carrying on with our series in 1 and 2 Samuel, but i um, going to call an audible, and we're going to go with 1 Peter 4, and we'll return to Samuel next week, and my hope is that this sermon just lands on our hearts and our minds in such a way that this isn't just um, a one-week sermon. Uh, by God's power, I pray that God might use this sermon and this text to be a bit of a summons for us for 2023. My hope is that it would, be, it, it would not be just some nice, maybe New Year's message. I'm not, I'm not trying to have a nice New Year's message um, that we go, wow, wasn't that a nice New Year's message? Um, and then it's gone. My prayer is that this would land upon our hearts in such a way by God's grace and by God's power and by God's help that it would resonate in us for the year. I don't know. I don't know what we need to do to, to help that along. You know, print it out, put it on your refrigerator or your bathroom mirror or what have you. Um, keep, it, keep it marked in your Bible. Memorize it. Not sure what all we need to do, but praying God land this text on our hearts in such a way that it's not just a one-day sermon. So please consider with me. Please, please pray with me. Ask, Lord, what do I need to see this morning? What do I need to see? Tim, what does Tim need to see this morning? Peter wrote uh, this letter to a suffering church. Uh, chapter 1, verse 1. To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion, all right? Just right off the bat. What, what that means is they're suffering. Persecution uh, was severe. And he writes to them to ground them and envision them and help them to walk out their life in Christ as a church community. He says to them in verse 7, Rick's already read it, um, but the end is at hand. And that truth just needs to resonate for us so that um, that truth has an intent to it. It's intended to stir our hearts. Theology is never dead weight. Theology is, is meant to move us into action. And so I've got a pretty unusual illustration for us this morning. This is all introduction. We haven't prayed yet. We're going to pray here in just a minute. There's a scene in the first Incredibles movie. Have you seen the Incredibles? All right. 
If your hand isn't up, you need to go home and watch The Incredibles later on. Helen, also known as Mrs. Incredible, also known as what? Elastigirl. All right, come on. She, she's flying her, this plane to a remote island to rescue Mr. Incredible. You might know him as Bob. When the plane she's piloting comes under heavy enemy attack and missiles are being fired upon her plane. And when, it, when that's happening, she finds out in the midst of that that her two children, two of her children, have stowed away there on the plane. And so her cries for Mayday just, just get elevated. Now, I just got to tell you, this is my wife's favorite scene. Yeah. All right? I was going to say in the movie, but not, not true. In all the incredible, in all Pixar films, this is her scene, all right? And so it literally, I think it moves her to tears, the part that I'm getting to. And so missiles are firing, are firing upon her plane. She finds out the children, and she's yelling out, disengage, disengage, into the radio. Mayday, mayday, disengage. And then she gets to that point where she finds out children, children are on board, disengage. She shouts. Well, the missiles continue to come. And she starts to yell orders to her two children seated behind her to use their superpowers. All right? And the daughter, whose name is... Thank you. Who said that loudest? I heard it. Okay, thank you, Andrew. He's tracking with the illustration. So um, Violet is reluctant to use her superpowers because she's been taught to suppress them. And if you don't understand that, you need to watch the movie. Mom yells, Violet, do it now! Because the end is near. She's, she's, she's yelling at her children, get in the game. Well, both children get in the game. They follow mom's instructions. The three of them bail out of the plane without parachutes, and they're now free-falling towards the ground when mom, Elastigirl, right, snatches up the children, turns herself into a human parachute like only Elastigirl can do, and she saves them from imminent death, landing them safely in the ocean, and more ensues. And that about that about that point, that's when Kim is saying, I love that part. Like, that's just a mom moment. Elastigirl. And it's a silly illustration, I know that. And at this point, you're probably worried about me. Um, <laughs> but on a serious note, it, it, it reminds me of 1 Peter 4. Are you just work with me here? I know that's a little bit silly and crazy, but Peter is saying the end is near. Get in the game. Get in the game. And that's how truth is to function for us. Truth must move us from passivity to activity. And Peter brings a theological truth that the end is near to press us. Church, Trinity, get in the game. Truth without action is just dead weight. It's a paperweight. Truth without response is simply dead religion. Truth without transformation is nothing more than a deception. And Peter, in essence, is saying, in light of this truth, the end is at hand. And he gives us five Holy Spirit-inspired areas for us to not only hear, but hear and respond to these truths. Five areas to get in the game because the end is near. And so as I said, I'm praying that the Lord might get a hold of our hearts. So let's pause, church. Let's pray. Holy, sovereign Lord, we now turn to you, Lord, and we turn to your word. And I'm asking you, Lord, do what only you can do this morning. Lord, go beyond the frailty of human preaching. Inspire, Lord. Convict. Move amongst us, Lord. 
Lord, help us not to think, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. Help us to sit in our seats and for me to stand here and preach and say, Lord, what do you have for me? We are praying to you, the almighty God. Turn our hearts. Invade our comforts. Invade our passivity. Lord, I'm asking you for nothing less than a culture change here at Trinity. Ignite our hearts in such a way And Father, I want to confess, I want to confess that in some ways, in the weakness of my faith, I question whether or not you are able to usher in a culture shift, change. And I confess that, Lord. Help my unbelief. Fill all of our hearts full of faith. I ask you, Lord, please forgive me. Certainly, it's because I've forgotten who you are. You're the almighty God. You've already done a bigger work in all of our hearts. Lord, you have, you have ushered in culture change in each of our lives individually. Oh, Lord, you are more than able to handle conviction and change and transformation in a church of people. And so I now pray to you who is able to do far more abundantly than we could ever think or imagine. Lord, we, we look to you, that God, who's able to do far more abundantly than we could think or imagine. Would you so move powerfully in this place to bring about incredible sweeping change in the hearts of your people here at Trinity? We pray. We pray. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So in light of the truth, the end is at hand. He, Peter, gives us five areas, if you will. Just gonna tick through them. Nothing clever to these points. They're just right out of the text. First one is pray. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled, sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. We're not going to take the time. We, we could take a week on each of these five, all right? So that would not be difficult. We're not going to take the time to unpack self-controlled, sober-minded. We're going to take the time for the sake of your prayers. Praying, uh, really for, I don't know, three, four years Here's my prayer. God, make us a praying people. I pray for prayer. <laughs> Charles Spurgeon says, if a church is to be what it ought to be for the purpose of God, we must train in the holy art of prayer. God, help us to become a praying people. Trinity Community Church, as one of your pastors here, on behalf of the other pastors here. I call you, I ask you, I even beg you. Consider, Lord, help me be a part of this community of believers. Be a praying people. And I wanna ask you, will you pray in 2023? It's not a rhetorical question. I'm not assuming the answer. I'm asking the question, will you pray in 2023? Will you commit to prayer? The end is at hand. Get in the game. Will you pray? It, it, again, it's not rhetorical. It's a question that needs to be answered by each one of us. If you are a member here at Trinity Community Church, you need to answer, answer this question. Alone, alone with the Lord, alone with yourself, Will I commit myself to prayer in 2023? Will you pray? Because friends and family that are on all of our hearts need Christ. Will you pray? Because missionaries are suffering 
out in the field, some of them physically, literally persecuted, suffering, will you pray? Some, some missionaries are desperate to see just one convert. Struggle to continue. Will you pray for the convert? Some so tired, some so beaten down that they just want to come home and return back to American luxury and comfort. And who could blame them? Will you pray? Some are here and you're praying about going into the mission field. Will you pray for those? Some are seeking the I'm going to say dreaded responsibility of raising support to go on the mission field. Will you pray for them? Before this year is out, actually this fall, the Lord willing, uh, Stephen and Casey Klebs will be full-time in India. Will you pray? Lost people will walk through those doors 52 times this year. Every Sunday. Will you pray? Sick and hurting people, saved and unsaved, will gather here every Sunday. Will you pray? Satan will seek to destroy marriages and families in 2023. Will you pray? The enemy will seek to steal, kill, and destroy homes this year. Will you pray? Some who are following Christ are tempted to bail. Even now, will you pray? Some will desire to return to drug or return to alcohol or return to whatever vice or return to worldliness. Will you pray? Will you seek God and pray? For your brothers and sisters, will you will you seek to to will you will you pray for your pastors? Will you pray for the elders who will be attacked, sometimes maligned, sometimes from inside the church, sometimes from outside the church, from the world this year? Will you pray? There will be newfound struggles for us as a church this year, individually, corporately. Newfound challenges and suffering will come our way in 2023. And I'm asking you, Trinity Community Church, members here, every one of you, every one of you who calls yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, from the youngest child in the room to the oldest adult, will you pray? I don't assume that you will. Will you tarry? Will you not relent? Will you reject your devices? Will you reject the distractions that surround us and call and demand our attention? And will you commit yourself? Will you pray? Now, I don't know. It's, it's a point. Uh, how do you do a point on prayer without quoting Spurgeon more than once? All right, so he says, the condition of the church may be very accurately gauged by its prayer meetings. So, it is, so is the prayer meeting a grace-o-meter. And from it, we may judge Uh, And from it, we may judge of the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be slothfulness in prayer. It's well put. Now, I'm not asking. Here's what I'm not asking. I'm not asking you to throw out just a mindless, let me just toss out a prayer here or there, just, um, you know, with with little thought, driving down the road. Please do. Let me me back up. Please do. Please do drive down the road and throw out a spontaneous prayer. Turn off the sounds that that are filling your your vehicle. Turn off and and pray while you drive. Yes, please do that. But I'm asking for more than that. I'm asking that you might pray, and I'm asking that you might pray together, corporately. 
that we as a church might experience a culture shift and that the vast majority of the people rather than the vast minority will come together Sunday morning seek the Lord together in prayer that guests would come here and would just see a church in prayer and ask what in the world is going on here these people pray they actually believe in the God they believe in So, point on prayer certainly has to have at least three Spurgeon quotes. And so he says, We shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general till the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. There's many more things that we could say about prayer this morning, but can I challenge you and can I encourage you? And can I even ask you, maybe maybe I'm even asking you, can, can I ask you to reconsider Can I appeal to you? Join us for prayer Sunday mornings, 9.15 to 9.45. 30 minutes, 30 minutes a week where we gather together. Can I just say, some of you, you have small kids, you're thinking, I'm gonna wait until they're like married. (laughs) Right? You're thinking, I'm not coming to a prayer meeting. Not with my kids. Have you seen my kids? Yeah, I raised four of them. All right, so... So I just want to invite you. I can think of no better example. We're we're praying for this, right? We're praying, God, help me to raise my boys and help me to raise my girls and, you know, help me to, I can think of no better example than for those boys and those girls to see mom and dad crying out to God together with the people of God, praying, oh, Oh, the concern is not the distraction. That's not the concern of my heart. Oh, if, if, if you're coming to the prayer meeting, don't let that be your concern. Praise be to God when children gather and are even distracting while we pray. And as they see prayer modeled, not only by mom and dad, but they see, oh, that you know, that, that man, that woman who, who I, I'm growing up in that church with those adults and I see them seeking God and, 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 and not only are they there to observe, but can I encourage you with those with young children, um, invite them to pray. Let's participate. Let's, let's pray. We are a church. Let's come together. Oh, Lord, would you help us? Let's come together and cry out to God and ask God with faith that he might move. 52 prayer meetings will take place this year. 52. Well, 51 more. We had one this morning. 51 more. And I'm asking you, will you come? Will you come to 51 of them? Will you come to 51 of them? Will you come to 12? Will you you sit down, husband and wife, let's talk it through. Okay, we're going to go once a month on second Sunday of the month. Whatever, will you come once a month? I'm I'm, I'm being serious. I'm I'm, I'm asking, will you come to 51? But if you can't come to 51, will you come to 12? If you can't come to 12, will you come to 6? Will you come every other month? Will you come once? Will you pray? If I could ask us all to just be praying, God, help us, Trinity Community Church, to become a praying people. I'm not talking about just showing up. Did my duty. I'm talking about seeking the Lord together. So much more could be said. Let's move forward. Number two, love. Above all, He says in verse 8, keep loving one another earnestly. We're going to unpack that word earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Now, culture says, you be you. (laughs) Sorry, I, I I can't say that without smiling. You be you. Be good to you. You need to find yourself because for culture, you are the center of the universe. It's what the, is at the center of our culture. And the Christian stands in stark contrast to the wisdom of this world. We've been saved from the endless worship 
of ourself. We're saved into a more glorious love that calls us out of love of self, calls us to lay down our lives first, to love God with everything we are, second, to love our neighbor as ourself. So hear me. This is not Peter. This is not 2023 culture. Like he's not talking about some mushy, emotional, feely, touchy love. Peter's not asking if you feel like loving, then love. He's saying, love, do it, and then keep doing it. So he says, love earnestly, or some of your versions say, love fervently. It's the same word that's used in Acts 12, verse 5, where people are praying, the saints are praying for Peter. Peter's in prison, and they pray fervently, or they pray earnestly. Same word there in the original language, and, and it means to strain at it. They're straining in their prayer for Peter as he's imprisoned. It it, it carries this this meaning. You're not only straining at it, but you're enduring. You're keeping at it. You're going to keep straining, keep straining, keep straining. And, And here in Peter, Peter is saying, I want you to love like that. I want you to strain at the love. I want you to keep enduring at it earnestly, fervently, strain at it, keep at it. So 23-year-old James Grimes. Anybody hear about this guy last month? He made the news. All right, nobody. All right, maybe you have, you just don't know the name. His vacation ended rather abruptly somewhere around 11 o'clock at night when he fell off his carnival uh, cruise ship somewhere in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico. On November 23rd, I'm calling it the nightmare before Thanksgiving. It wasn't until the next day that his family reported him missing. 11 o'clock at night, next day, one article said he was reported missing somewhere around 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Feel the love, right? Like, okay, um, well... What's amazing is he survived the fall from the boat. That's incredible. Just incredible. It gets better. He survived the the fall from the boat. He lands in the pitch black of night in the ocean. He told Good Morning America that he didn't remember falling. He said, I had a few drinks, but I wasn't drunk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing he remembers is waking up in the ocean. I don't. I. He spends the, the, the dark of night by himself in the ocean doing this, <laughs> treading water, kicking his legs, moving his arms, and he is straining for survival. The end is near, <laughs> James Grimes. Get in the game. Get to straining right? He spends all night by himself in the ocean, treading water, straining for his survival. He tried to eat bamboo that floated by to gain some nutrients. I don't know if that's an effective use of nutrients, but hey, you know, you're just trying to survive. He survived the entire night. He spent Thanksgiving Day, happy Thanksgiving, James Grimes, continuing to strain. Now, have you ever done, have you ever like 15 minutes in a pool just not touching the sides? How long can I go, right? Like, have you done like 30 minutes? Like 30, 30 minutes is long. I, we're, we're not talking 30 minutes or three hours, or six hours, or nine hours. We're talking he strained 20 hours. Took his clothes off because they were heavy. He was suffering. And what he did was remarkable, even after just a couple beers, apparently. Um, As he strained for his life because the end was near. Incredible. It starts to get at 
what this word here means. That's the gist of this word here. I'm going to strain at it, and I'm going to be tired and exhausted and not feel like I can give any more, and I'm going to keep treading water. (laughs) Peter says, love like that. Love fervently. Love continuous straining because the end is near. Not based on your feelings, not based on how the person is responding, Because Christ's love compels us. His love on the cross, the gospel of Jesus Christ compels us. That's the focus of our straining. 1 John 4 says, Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And Peter would add to that and strain at it. This is gospel love. We, the unlovable, were loved by God. He fervently loved you, right? He earnestly, he strained at it in his love for you, to you. He did, First Peter 4, love. It is an unending love. His love will not end towards you. Believer, you have been loved by God. You will continue to be loved by God. He strained at his love. So love. When you're exhausted and out of strength, strain for love. Don't, ste- don't cease loving. And so I just want to ask us a couple questions in regard to this this morning. Are you straining in your love for your brothers and your sisters in Christ? Are you fervently not ceasing love? How might you fervently strain in your love for others in 2023? Because Peter tells us love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't mean that love covers over sins. It doesn't mean it sweeps sin under the rug. It doesn't mean it pretends like all is well um, when all isn't well. It means love brings a, a, a forgiveness to the relationship. It means love understands the gospel in that you were loved by God, though you didn't deserve his love. He gave you his love anyways. That's how love covers a multitude of sins. It means love assumes the best in others rather than assumes the worst in others. It means love leans into the relationship and stays with it. It means, 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. That's straining at the love. I want to ask you, church, will you join me and let's pray, God, help us to become a more loving church. Help us by your strength to love even when we don't want to love or we don't feel like loving or when we think he or she doesn't deserve love. God, would you help us to love? Number three, hospitality. Verse number nine We pick back up and he says, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. One of the ways that we express love is through hospitality. And I'm not sure that we understand this command. First of all, that we know it's a command. Second, that we even understand the command. We easily dismiss this. We think of it as an optional extra Nah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's for the extroverts or for the people who just really like to host people. We tend to think of it in in terms like this. Well, Steve Wilkins writes, we tend to imagine it, meaning hospitality, as a luxurious, luxurious virtue practiced by those who are willing and able and not required for anyone else. It is a luxury that we can occasionally afford. We certainly do not think of it as a central expression of Christian holiness and the glory of God. Wow. 
Paul corrects this notion. Now, he's, he's writing here about Romans 12 and the command there for hospitality. So that's why he says Paul corrects this notion. If we're not practicing hospitality, we're not loving. And when we do not love, we cease to be a living church. So I just want to say, Lord, help us by your spirit. Let there be literally, I'm not talking about a sermon for a Sunday. I'm talking about a year of Sundays. I'm talking about a complete shift in the culture here at Trinity where where we could say this church is hospitable. Now, I think there's three, well, there's more than three. I'm going to give you three hospitality misconceptions to help us think this through a little bit. First of all, hospitality is not an optional extra for a few. We have to remember Peter's original audience of the letter, they're not living in American luxury. Their problem was not that the ice maker and the dishwasher and the clothes dryer all broke in the same week. Their problem was fiery trials. Look at verse 12. It's not part of our text this morning. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Literally, their problem was not the ice maker broke. It was fiery trial. You know what? My, My thoughts here... why the Lord didn't allow me to be an apostle Peter. (laughs) My thoughts here. Okay, here's what I'm thinking, guys. It's tough right now. If you're you're the recipient of this original, your original reader, recipient of this letter, it's tough. You know what? It's real tough. We're not sure who of our friends might be burned in Nero's gardens this week. It's tough. We're not talking ice makers and clothes dryers. And I'm thinking it's so tough. You know what? As far as the hospitality thing goes, let's just kind of take a step back. Let's wait for things to relax a little bit. Let's wait for things to kind of calm down and for the severe suffering that's going on around us. Let's take a break. Let's see how things pan out. We're going to come back around. We'll circle back around to this hospitality thing later. That's not Peter's approach inspired by the Holy Spirit. Peter's approach inspired by the Holy Spirit, even in the suffering, Peter says, pray, love, and offer hospitality. It's, 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 it, it's a not a call for us to wait for maybe just the right circumstances. Let's wait till we get the clothes dryer fixed. <laughs> Let's wait till all the pieces are just right for us. It's, it's still this be fervent in this. Strain at it. Stay at it. Now, the reality is, is that real people come into our homes and relationships, they're messy. Real sinners saved by grace who are not yet perfected, who are growing in sanctification, come into your home. By the way, saved by grace, not perfected, growing in sanctification. Comments are made. Things happen. Offenses take place. I thought that the, that's what this meant. Hurts follow. Well, love is to override all of that and offer hospitality again. It's not an extra. It's not for the few. It's to be the rhythm of the community of believers Second misconception, hospitality is not for a certain personality type. We have to be careful because we can think like that, right? Hospitality is a personality trait. Some people have the personality for hospitality and they should do it and maybe even invite me over. But there, there, there are those who just don't have that personality and we should just take a pass on this one. 
I got to challenge us because that's not what Peter is saying. Now, it's true. Some people are wired in such a way that it's, it's more natural. It might even, we might even say it's easier. But that's not Peter's point. You might even think of yourself, I'm a homebody. That's fine. But don't excuse the command of hospitality. Because I think God wants to work in you. God wants to grow you. God wants to stir you and the people that you might have into your home. Third misconception, it's not for the fine china and clean house. Now, the context of the New Testament is that you were to offer hospitality to the traveler who is at the mercy of someone who might offer hospitality. They were weak and vulnerable, often hungry. There were no hotels, no... Airbnbs or VRBOs or whatever other acronym you want to do. This is where we must be careful, church. Be careful that your politic is not bigger than your Bible. I'm a citizen of God before I'm ever a citizen of America. We can have positions and views and thoughts and Obviously, we all think we have 2020 vision on what we should do with border issues. Don't forget that those individuals who are often called illegal is the very person that the Bible calls Samaritan, vulnerable, could be dangerous to the traveler. Some of you are offended with me right now. It might be because your politic has become your God. Here, the Christian was to offer hospitality. I'm not trying to make a statement about what the next thing should be done at the border. That's not my point. The point is individuals land in our backyard, in our communities. People land inside these four walls. Vulnerable. Weak. When you think about these, Peter saying, offer hospitality, you, you, you realize that was completely spontaneous. It wasn't like, okay, so if you would send me your itinerary, and let me know, four weeks from now, we'll be sure to be ready. <laughs> no, it was spontaneous. These people just came traveling into town. So it was unplanned. It was, it was more than it was unplanned. It was life interruption. That's what hospitality was. It was life interruption. We live in a very different culture. What might this look like today? Well, we have vulnerable people all the time at Trinity, all around us. We have hungry people. I'm not talking hungry physically. We have hungry spiritual people, hungry for the things of the Lord, people who want to know more about Christ, people who are looking for a, a, a church home, people who are looking for meaningful relationships in this lonely world. Simply put, Trinity, we don't want, them, we don't want to leave them to wander on their own. What might it look like for you to open up your home, to open up your life? What does it look like to offer hospitality, perhaps to our singles, perhaps to our widows, perhaps to our single moms and single dads? What would it look like to offer hospitality to the elderly, to the sick, to the broken, to a guest who walks in the door looking for a church? Is there any opportunity for a spontaneous come to my house? And I'm praying for the culture that the Lord would shift the culture of Trinity. Kim puts it like this. Hospitality doesn't have walls. That's good. That's helpful. You know what that means? It means it doesn't have to be in your home. It can be walking the bridge. It can be grabbing a coffee. It can be sitting in a fishing boat. It can be sitting in your living room. 
Hospitality is more about the care of the person than it is the location. And so the person is more important than the cleanliness of the kitchen sink or the bathroom. The kitchen sink and the bathroom, we miss the point. It's about the person. It's more about the relationship that seeks to help someone not to be alone. Now, here's the thing. We are a friendly church. I thank God for you, church. You are a friendly church. But hear me, that can be deceptive. Okay? It can be deceptive because you can walk in. I hear regularly, you probably do too, where people walk in, guests walk in, and they're like, wow, folks here, they're really friendly. That is fantastic. Thank you, church. That is wonderful. But I'm praying for a culture shift, that we as a church would be more than a handshake and a smile, that we would be more than, hi, my name's Tim. Welcome. Amazing, that's more than what folks often receive in church world. So thank you for that. But the deception comes in is we can actually think that was hospitality. A handshake is not hospitality. A handshake is friendliness. Thanks for being friendly. I'm asking us, prayerfully consider, how can we be hospitable? I hope you see the difference. He says in verse 9, without grumbling. Which basically means without wishing you didn't have to do it. Number four, serving. As each has received a gift, verse 10 and 11, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Now here's some assumptions here, very quickly. Everyone has gifts. That's the assumption. As each has received a gift. Don't believe that? We'll argue with scripture. Okay? If you just go, I just don't have any gifts. Scripture says differently. Okay? Second, we are each, each gifted for the expressed purpose of serving. You are gifted and you are gifted for serving. Number three, God will provide strength needed. And so now it becomes a God issue Right? Like, I, don't, I, I just don't have the strength for this. God will provide strength needed. You see, the way forward for us here at Trinity in 2023 is to recognize that here at Trinity, we have five elders, two deacons, six community group leaders, and about 180 to 190 ministers. Gifted servants who serve with the strength that God supplies. If anyone speaks, it says he speaks the words of God. If anyone serves, he serves in the strength that God supplies. I love that. In both of these, he's saying the source is the Lord. He speaks his words. He serves in his strength. Some might say, I can't do it. I can't teach third graders. (laughs) Speak the word of God. You can't. Speak God's words and do it in the strength that God supplies. You say, I've never greeted. I can't do it. I'm kind of shy. Serve in the strength God supplies. Some of us have never given God the chance to supply us with the strength that's needed. So I don't have the strength. How do you know God is not going to meet you? And provide you the needed strength. God will provide for you strength because God has a purpose. When He provides strength, strength that we didn't even know existed, He receives praise. We'll get to that in a moment. I don't want to be understood in my comments about serving. You are literally the most serving church I've ever seen. Not exaggerating. Thank you for how you serve. But, I want us to consider how serving can go from a delight and we slowly drift into a duty. And if we're thinking about serving more as duty than delight, we've missed it. We've missed the point. So thank you, faithfully serving. But I don't want you to serve religiously. I want you to serve worshipfully. That's what Peter's going at here. 
When serving becomes a duty of religion, the answer doesn't become, I'm just going to stop. No, the answer becomes, God, I need to get after my heart here. Something's misaligned in my heart that I'm not doing it with delight out of worship to you. So let's get our hearts right. Let's serve God with a heart of delight and joyful worship. And whatever area that you're serving in, that the people around you might be the recipient of that joy, that joyful, worshipful service. Number five, worship team, would you come join me on the platform? Comes in the latter half of verse 10. Whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that, in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory, dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is not Bible. This is not the apostles just kind of in the name of Jesus, amen, and we think nothing of it. This is holy worship that in everything that we do, in all of the love, in all the hospitality, in all the praying, in all the, the, uh, the, the uh, what am I missing? The fourth one. Serving, that it would be done out of worship to God. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here's a concern that I have for us. You're hearing a number of, I'm going to say, pastoral concerns for us as a church this morning. One is, is that our worship just becomes rote. It just becomes religious. It might even become just kind of dutiful. So we're, we don't want to be a church that we just come and dutifully sing to the Lord for a few moments. I'll just categorize my statements as it, re, as it, um, as it relates to singing worship. All of life is worship. Okay, but as it relates to singing worship, that we come and we just sing words on a screen and we're not thinking, oh my goodness, we are free, free forever, amen. Come, join the redeemed. We don't want to be a church that drifts into this just not thinking, but just standing and maybe just observing. Maybe we're just watching the band, or maybe we're just watching each other, or maybe we're just thinking about lunch. But God, help us to gaze upon the glory. We sang, behold him this morning. God, would you help us? Get in the game, church. The church is not a place to attend on Sundays. It's a place to be involved. It's a place to be in and a part of. If you're new at Trinity, we'd like to tell you more. We have a new members class. It's coming up in probably about six weeks. We'll start to announce it and put out sign-up sheets for it. In the next week or two, uh, you're welcome to come. That's the first pathway into serving and just understanding church life here at Trinity. So we invite you to that. Pray, love, be hospitable, serve, worship. Lord, help us. Let's stand together, sing and pray.